welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. Appreciate the introduction. As always, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Hey, before I get started, I want to just give everybody a reminder of how to get Demand Gen Radio on your phone. I'm imagining a lot of you have iPhones and Androids. Um, I personally use an iPhone, so let me tell you what I do. There is an app that's native to the iPhone called Podcasts, and it was broken off of iTunes when they made one of the system updates. So if you find the podcast app on your phone, just do a search for, you probably can just search for Demand Gen, but if you search for Demand Gen Radio, you will find this podcast and you can just easily subscribe to it. And so you can get all of the episodes right there on your phone. And I don't use an Android, but what I understand is if you want to get it on the Android phones, you use Google Play. So I just want to share that with you because I know a lot of you go to demandgenradio.com, but you can also get it on your phone, and that way you can listen to the program while you're driving or at the gym or wherever you want to tune in. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Today I'm going to focus on teaching you the five key principles of lead management, and this is the focus of my book, Manufacturing Demand. I mention the book I know on every episode, and I think we run commercials on it pretty regularly. And I want to make sure that you realize, yes, I do plug the book, but the book is free. And there's over 10,000 copies in circulation, and more more than half of those have been given out for free. So do go ahead and grab a copy at some point at manufacturingdemand.com, or you can go to demandgen.com and go into the resources area. So let's dig in a little bit um, in to what you're going to find inside the book and just, you know, hey, there's people who learn in different ways. So today I thought I would do kind of a book reading of sorts and share some of the key concepts. I start off the book by talking about why it's such a great time to be in marketing. And why is that? Well, for me and for a lot of our clients that we work with, you know, we are in an era where we are blending the discipline of the art of marketing and the science of marketing. Uh, when I get it started early in my career, way before there was the internet, uh, we in marketing were creating, you know, basically it was the art of marketing and we were creating brands and different packaging concepts and all of our content, but we really had no way to engage with our customers directly. We certainly had no way to do that digitally and, um, now that everything has changed and marketing is such at the forefront of customer engagement and we can engage with prospects all the way from click to close and with our clients throughout their entire journey, everything has changed, which means we as marketers need to change our and develop our expertise uh, to support the current world that we are working in. And so the book is really about the alignment of sales and marketing um, culturally uh, from a systems perspective and from a process perspective, and I emphasize all these different concepts for lead management. I start off by talking about some of the essential systems, and I want to start there today because you've got to have a website to do lead management, you've got to have a marketing automation system, and you must have a CRM. And what I want to share with all of you who don't have all of those systems is don't cut corners here. Buy the leading brands. Because this is your career, so you're investing in yourself. Why would you cut a corner and not buy something that's going to provide you the capabilities that you need to be uh, in your role successfully, as well as learn the skills and expertise to take with you throughout your career? 
Now, when I wrote the book several years ago, there was not the plethora of MarTech technology like there is today. And so we've got, what, 5,000 different tools out there. So I gave you some of those essential ingredients, but no doubt, you know, all the companies that we work with have dozens of applications that they're also using for all types of different purposes. All right, so you've got to have that infrastructure. I think most of you do that tune into this program, but in case you don't, um, put that on your priorities list to go get some demos from Marketo or Oracle and Salesforce.com and some of the other MarTech tools and look at those tool sets that are out there so that you can embrace them because you really can't, as I said, do lead management unless you've got the infrastructure to do it. All right, so what are the five principles? And there's a chapter dedicated to every single one, but today we're just going to summarize those five principles and touch on them. The first principle is about buyer personas. Uh, The next principle is about the demand funnel. The third principle is about lead scoring. The fourth principle is on lead nurturing. And the fifth principle is on measurement, or I call it in the book analytics. All right. Before we get into those principles, I want to provide a holistic framework, though, and a term that I use called the demand factory. And the reason that I call it the demand factory is when you look at all the tools and technologies we have, I found a lot of people didn't know the destination of where they were going to with these tools. They didn't have something aspirational to say, hey, sales, uh, hey, organization, This is what we're creating with these tools. They talked about how they use the tools, but they didn't present a bigger picture. So adopt this terminology that that I use called the demand factory. And what the demand factory is, we've given it a name, and it's called ACME, the most common and popular name in fictional businesses. But ACME stands for something, and it stands for acquire, convert, measure and expand and those are the four disciplines that we in marketing need to be exceptional at we need to be great at generating demand we need to be exceptional at converting the demand that we generate into customers we need to measure the impact of our programs and what we're doing and the e expansion is almost the forgotten territory super important that is expanding the lifetime value of our customers we all have typically more than one product and more service And so we need to make sure that all the things that we do at the top of the funnel that we also do at the lower part of the funnel as well and expand the relationship with our clients. So Demand Factory is that aspirational, call it utopia, if you will, of what we're building today as modern marketers. And the five principles that I just touched on, which I'm going to dig into, are really principles for the C in ACME, the conversion aspect. Because I'm not going to talk today about generating demand, but I'm going to talk about the C uh, aspects because that is really where marketers often fall short. And that's certainly where the big gaps in alignment between sales and marketing occur, right? We're throwing over the leads to sales and sales doesn't follow up on anything and they think all of our leads suck. We've got to change that by fusing these two different functions together into one. So let's start off with the first principle, the buyer persona. And certainly these this first principle about really knowing thy buyer is helpful in the acquisition phase. But because we're going to be using nurturing that fourth principle in conversion, we really need to have content that's going to be very impactful in taking someone who has responded to a campaign and moving them through that those later stages of the buying process. So what is a buyer persona? I think you've probably read a lot about it, but let me tell you where I get value from the buyer persona, especially whenever I've gone into a new company. 
the buyer persona is normally a, a written document that certainly you know captures the pain points and needs of the target customer. And with everything being discussed nowadays with ABM and account-based marketing, there's not only a buyer persona for individuals, but when you think about it, there's really personas for our target accounts, the people that we want to go after. And when I say people, in that case, I met the companies. I was just meeting with a client um, earlier this week, and they are launching a whole bunch of satellites into space and developing new weather technology. Uh, And they were talking with us about the companies that they're going to go after with this new weather technology. And you can imagine that can be used for transportation. It can be used by the media. It can be used for science, all different types of potential customers that their technology is relevant to, but they have to have target markets that they're going after in their beachhead markets. They've got to know who their customer is. We as marketers not only need to have this written down, but in the demand factory, we've operationalized it. So we've taken the data, the, the, the concepts that we've written down on our documents, and we've operationalized that, meaning that inside of our database, we've got fields in our marketing automation and CRM to store the information we need to help us with our targeting. So, for example, if we are selling to marketing and the marketing department is the company that or the department that we're targeting, who within that marketing organization? Is it the CMO? Is it the VP of marketing? Is it the head of demand generation? Is it the head of marketing operations? Is it the creative folks? So just within the marketing department, when you think about your own organization, you have lots of different roles, and each of those roles have different pains and different needs. So drawing out a part... A buyer persona with sales really helps the two teams understand who we're targeting at an individual level and who we're targeting at a company level. And again, today we're just going to touch on all the principles. If you want to dig deeper, you can grab a copy of the book, but I'll also be having additional Demand Gen Radio episodes and go much deeper. The second principle is the demand funnel, and we'll talk about the demand funnel before we take a quick break. But this is one of those essential principles that really is a starting point. Before you get into lead scoring and into nurturing, I really recommend that you understand this principle very well and you know implement it within your organization. The demand funnel, by the way, has lots of different terms. You'll hear it called by Sirius as the demand waterfall. Uh, you've heard it um, called the sales and marketing pipeline before. It says many different names. I want you to think of the demand that you generate as raw materials coming in. The leads that you generate are raw materials, and you've got to manufacture them in your demand factor. You've got to take those hand raisers and turn them into customers. And just like a manufacturing process, you're going to move through different stages of manufacturing demand. That's that's the name of the book. So what does that first inventory look like? What are those hand raisers? Um, often that term is called inquiries. And the inquiries bucket, if you will, is a way of setting up your CRM and your marketing automation system to place all the contacts and all the records that are at that stage in that section of your database, if you will, in that segment. And by taking a segmented approach of the demand funnel, Then you can measure your inventory in each of these segments and align those segments, if you will, into your nurture and scoring methodologies. So the demand funnel, think of it, if you will, as different inventory bins where you've got your inquiries, your marketing qualified leads, 
often called MQLs. You've got your sales accepted leads, which is the baton passing over to sales. You've got your sales qualified leads or opportunities, which is when sales is now said there's a qualified opportunity. And if we segment our database and marketing automation systems by these statuses, then we can very effectively target different content and different messaging uh, and, and not only align sales by these different um, stages, but we can report on them. And we'll talk more about that in the fifth principle. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we're going to get into the third, fourth, and fifth principles, starting off with lead scoring. Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch-and-blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology, the folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at demandgen.com, just like it sounds, demandgen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting. They're just a click away. Demandgen.com. And now back to our show. All right, we are back. And let's talk about the next principle, which is lead scoring. So, again, picture in your mind that we've got this virtual manufacturing plant, and this is where we're generating demand. And we've got these assembly lines. And somewhere along the assembly line is a group of people. And I mean this metaphorical because these people are the lead scoring system, if you will. Think of them as taking a look at the inquiries that are coming in and grabbing the ones that are high priority. These are the ones that we want to get right over to sales. Well, how do we do that? And the way that this is done is through your marketing automation system. And lead scoring is essentially an algorithm. It's it's a mathematical formula that prioritizes the demand that you're generating. And the way that lead scoring works is typically on two different dimensions. And nowadays, by the way, three dimensions, the third being a predictive element using AI, essentially. The two dimensions that are most commonly used are what we call fit and behavior or fit and interest. The fit dimension is the tall, dark, and handsome criteria. And that is the Uh, The criteria, if you think back on the persona, if we said there are certain roles or certain industries or certain company sizes, certain variables that are our target customers, those variables are used in the computation of their score. So if they match that criteria, we want to give them a higher fit score. The other dimension is behavioral. And behavioral is measured using their digital body language. And so the digital body language are things like web visits and email activity, campaign response, the type of content they're downloading, basically all the things that they're doing digitally to engage with our company and our content. The third dimension, which I mentioned, which I didn't really cover in the book, is using now the AI capabilities, the predictive um, elements. And there's many different companies that have come out with 
technology that you've essentially bolt on to your marketing automation and CRM system. And what these systems do is they look for lookalikes. So they have a pattern, if you will. They look at all your closed one data, the companies that you've sold to and the prospects that you have sold to, and they form a profile. And what they do with lead scoring when these systems are added in, they're saying, does this lead or company look like someone that we've sold to before? And if there's a very high fit and high correlation, and if there's behaviors that they're doing outside your website and outside of your emails on the Internet, they're saying, hey, this is a really good fit for you as a prospect, and they are showing a lot of buyer activity. And so that third element, the predictive technology, is relatively new. Uh, It's been getting a lot of traction over the last couple of years. There's many different companies in this space. And if you want to reach out to me and talk to me about my perceptions of those different technologies, feel free to do that. But I wanted to explain just the basics of lead scoring, which is saying in our marketing automation system, let's look at the fit, let's take a look at the interest, and have an algorithm that says, this is not an inquiry, this is a marketing qualified lead, this is someone we should prioritize and get that over to sales. Now that's how it happens systematically, again, I dig in deep in chapter five, exactly how that works, but if think about that demand funnel where there was a stage for inquiry and a stage for MQL, it's often the lead score that is the system that changes the status to move it basically down the funnel and make sure that gets visibility to your sales team. And when I say visibility to the sales team, I spend a lot of time in the chapter showing some examples of screenshots inside a CRM of what lead scoring looks like. And the reason I do that is because I want to make the point that you could have the best lead scoring system in the world, the best algorithm, the best predictive system out there, but if you don't get adoption by sales for them to know which leads to follow up on, then all that effort was for waste. And that's why, like I said, the book is about sales and marketing alignment, both from a system and process perspective. So we've got to create a user interface inside the CRM that presents our lead scores in an intuitive and uh, understandable way so that sales can follow up. Again, I dig deep on that in Chapter 5. Plenty of content, too, on DemandGen.com in our resources area about lead scoring. Again, today I want to just you know do a broad brushstroke over these key principles. All right, the next principle is lead nurturing. And what lead nurturing is, is right, a dialogue between those personas and you. And when I say you, I mean your organization, your products, and your services. So you've ran some type of campaign out there on the Internet. You've gotten a response. People have come and, and registered for a webinar, let's say, or they've come and downloaded their first piece of content, maybe watched a demo on your site, and now they're in the net. That inquiry has been generated. And maybe that inquiry now has gotten scored, and it's a marketing-qualified lead. What are we going to do? Are we going to stop the conversation right there and let them go on a mission of self-discovery? No. We are going to have nurture streams that drip content out to them. And I don't just mean necessarily through email these days. There's a big emphasis on that in the book. But there are many different types of drip marketing that we can do. We can, for example, do ad retargeting. So we can take people in a certain stage of the nurture and make sure that when they are on Facebook or LinkedIn or other parts of the Internet that they are seeing ads for additional content. And so we can tie in our ad targeting to various stages of the nurture as an example. We can also use direct mail. I've had on the program the folks from PFL, Print for Less, and they have the ability to add into the nurtures 
dimensional direct mail that you can mail out. You could send them a free trial. You could send them a sample, a postcard, um, really any type of piece of content through the mail. And you can incorporate those into the nurtures. Well, what do you send? Well, you're going to send content that moves them through that awareness stage, through the education stage, and down into the selection stages of the buying process. And nurturers are a systematic way to do that. Should you have one nurture, two nurtures, three nurtures? You know, how many nurtures should you have? That really depends. You know, Are you targeting one buyer persona and you have one product? Well, maybe you need one, two, or maybe even three nurtures for the different stages of the funnel. But what if you have lots of different buyer personas? And I talked earlier about just, you know, hey, if you were targeting a marketing department, how many different roles there are in the marketing department? So you might have a different nurture stream for each of those different roles. And in the book, I talk about my experiences at Ellie Mae where I brought in marketing automation and CRM back in the early 2000s. And we had nurture streams for our brokers, for loan officers, and processors, three different roles within the mortgage industry because they had very different needs and different pain points. So ultimately, you want to have many different nurture streams for all of your different buyer personas. You want to have nurture streams for different industries. You want to have nurture streams for all of your different products. And again, picture, like stand above this virtual demand factory and look down and picture all these different tracks, almost like you know your luggage moving through the airport, right? We're going to move leads through different segments of our demand factory based on who they are, their personas, their companies, and we're going to provide different content to them along that journey. And you need to become exceptional at knowing what they need to know at each of those different stages of the buying process. Just the other day, we had a prospect reach out to us and say, hey, I need help picking the right marketing automation system. Do you have a service that will help us identify what our needs are and which marketing automation system we have? We sure do. And so we've got a piece of content on that. We also have content on how to help someone migrate from one marketing automation system to another because these are common needs and pain points. So we've got those out there and we can put those in our different nurture streams and direct that content and direct those people to the content based on their behavior and what their level of interest looks like. So that's nurturing and that is the fourth principle. All right, that brings us to the very last principle, which is chapter seven in the book, and that is about analytics, which is really keeping score of your success, right? In marketing, so much work, so much effort goes into every campaign, every program, so much thought and planning to drive revenue and have an impact on the business that it's critical that we show the impact that we're having as well as know what's not working. So as I mentioned in the beginning, that the name of the demand factory is Acme, and the M in Acme is for measurement. I've got a whole chapter dedicated to analytics, and that's because this principle is so critical. In terms of analytics, there is too much information available to marketers today. Um, We have to know what we need to measure. And in the book, I talk about the three C's. I've actually expanded that to be the four C's uh, of modern marketing measurement. The first C is what you can count, and that is simply you know what you can capture in terms of information and count. And like I said, there's far more that you can count than you really need to. The second C is what counts, which I mean by that is what matters. The third C is what you can count on and depend on is what I mean. So I stopped there in the book, but over time I've expanded to incorporate how you communicate it as the fourth C. 
So it's really important that you not only know how to track and what to track and produce dashboards for this, but you as a marketer can effectively communicate this uh, inside the organization because, um, again, there's a daunting amount of information available. There's website metrics. There's campaign metrics. There's demand funnel metrics. So I've categorized these in the book into three different categories. I talk about executive KPIs, demand funnel KPIs, and then campaign and asset performance KPIs. And all too often, it's that last category, campaign performance, emails, opens, and click rates, and then you know actual campaign performance, registrations, attendees, uh, that type of stuff that marketers do but get stuck there. And so we talked about the demand funnel being one of those, you know, the principle number two today, knowing the inventory levels of your demand funnel, the velocity and volume of each of those is absolutely critical. So you've got to have dashboards for that. And then you've got your executive KPIs. That's really, you know, those high-level measurements, just like a CFO is going to look at uh, revenue and gross profits and EBIT and other essential financial metrics. We in marketing need to know what to share at the executive level. So having those executive metrics are key. Again, I cover this in greater depth in Chapter 7. So there you have it, the five principles of modern marketing, um, all focused at lead management, the C in ACME, the conversion. Uh, Let's face it, if we're doing a great job generating demand at the top of the funnel, we need to be really good at converting those inquiries into customers. And I touched on measurement today. Another time we'll talk about expansion, but I hope that was helpful for you. Again, I know I plug the book a lot. I do it because it's free, and everybody who's ever read it uh, and has come up to me has told me about the profound impact that it's had on their career and on their success uh, within their department. So a lot of people have it as standard reading. It is yours for the taking. Download a copy of it if you want. If you want a physical copy, you can get it at Amazon.com. And if you want to get help with the implementation of these methodologies, I should mention, uh, you know, reach out to my company, DemandGen. There's so many books that I've read that I never even thought that the author of that book uh, and their company would be available to help us apply those principles. And DemandGen.com, DemandGen, my company, is there to help you with that. So reach out to us if you want it, but do practice those principles. Really enjoyed sharing the insights from the book with you today. That'll conclude this episode of Demand Gen Radio. I hope, again, you found it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe and get that app on your iPhone or Google Play. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.